Hello and welcome to Hometown Glory, your Spurs and culture podcast. I'm Rosa and there's no getting away from it. It was a very, very, very bad weekend to be coys. The cup capitulation Sheffield United, the subsequent inevitable defeat of Wolves and a brief moment of joy for Spurs women against Man City before, yep, you guessed it, another loss. But listen, as someone wise on Twitter said, I'm actually alive in a warm house right now. That's all that matters. And I'm delighted to be joined by Billy and Tom. I don't really want to dwell on the past few games, but I do think it's important to get a rage check from everyone. So, Billy, I'm going to start with you. Tell me, how is it possible that our club can still hurt us this much? Yeah, it just, it's a real, it's a real heartbreaker, isn't it? Like, I just, I'm not, I, this, it's the Sheffield United one that was the real sort of hammer blow for me. I wasn't, after that game, I, that was a breaking point for me, to be honest, for the rest of the season. I'm not really, I just kind of found myself on Saturday, not, not really, I mean, I was out anyway, so I didn't see it, but it wasn't one of those ones where I was like itching to check the score or anything. It just kind of felt nothing. And, you know, the, the the disappointing thing about the Tottenham for me is like when you, you can be angry and you can be sad, you can be like ecstatic. When you feel nothing, that is the worry for me. Like that's the big worry because it's so rare that I, I'm in this kind of state. But it just that Sheffield United game has like totally deflated me, to be honest. Yeah, I feel I feel exactly the same. I feel totally heartbroken. I was watching the game and then as soon as the goal went in, I just left the room. And I'll be honest with you, I had a little cry because you just knew, you knew there wasn't any coming back from it, didn't you? Like that was it. It was going to finish 1-0. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't really get over it. And I don't, I don't think I will get over it. And I, it's hard to see getting past it for the rest of the season because I don't, I don't think we're going to win the Champions League, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> so it's hard to know. It's It's hard to see a way back from this. And I feel... Like, I can't, I can't believe they did it to us. I can't believe they did it to us. You know, that was our, I mean, like, it's it's sort of pointless going over it again because I think that this is one thing that has completely united the fan base, hasn't it? Like, we've been fighting for, for the past, what, like four years over kind of managers and players and tactics and style of play and all of that. And this is the one thing where we were like, we can do this. We have a real chance. And even if all it is, is getting to another sem- like semi-final defeat it doesn't matter like this is the best chance we've had in years to win something and even if the FA Cup doesn't mean what it once did it still means something and it means something to us particularly as Tottenham fans right and they threw it away man they threw it away actually deliberately I think yeah and I I think they've really misjudged the um the sort of the uh, in- the intentions and the the priorities of the fan base because if you look at Wednesday night right so it's a Wednesday night it's um you know it's, it's an it's a, there's no it's very difficult to get back from that game on, on the train and they took like almost six thousand fans and like the, the fans in that away end were unbelievable and I don't know I, I I feel like this now but I'm just I'm so bored of top four I, I really am so bored of it. Like, this has made me realize I, I actually just don't care. I don't, I don't care. I just want something more than that. And I think the fan, I think they've really underestimated how much the FA Cup would have meant to the fan base, um, and including the manager, the players, you know, everyone at the top. Um, and it kind of parcels down to the fact that, you know, the funny thing about it all is, you know, we tried to prioritize the league game over the FA Cup game, which is an absolutely ridiculous thing in itself. But of course, in true Tottenham fashion, we didn't win either of them. 
So it's just pathetic. It really is. And you, if you look at that away end and how many people travelled to Sheffield and the sort of buzz around the fan base, because it's the first time in a while that the FA Cup has been kind of something which we, you know, we, we won't have many better chances. I know Man United and Man City are still in it, but, you know, anything can happen on the day. And, there's, you know, there's no other real sort of top teams left in the competition other than what would have been the three of us. Um, I think they've got it totally wrong. And I think it's a kind of breaking point for a lot of fans. I think, um, before I go into anything else, I'll just say I'm furious at us for how optimistic we were after Chelsea. Um, I mean, uh, the Chelsea Chelsea and West Ham, it was good, but it papered over the cracks against two very bad teams. Um, so I'm annoyed at us. But yeah, like Billy was just saying, there isn't going to be a better chance to progress in the FA Cup, surely. So many big teams... Are already out of it. Um, when you look at those quarterfinals, um, there are so many teams that we should be beating. And I think the other really annoying thing about Sheffield United is it was just history repeating. Um, we all thought back to Middlesbrough last season, and it's not just Conte um, who has like disregarded the the cups. Uh, I know you know. Again, there's a, so much talk about Pochettino right now. I was there at that Palace game at White Hart Lane when he played a second string team and we got knocked out of the FA Cup. Like, we haven't had a manager in so long that has taken the FA Cup seriously. So, yeah, but like Billy said, it, that is by like just absolutely infuriating. Um, yeah, it was so, so bad that game, wasn't it? I mean, I actually feel like I was I was worried that I was slightly too pessimistic last week because I did have Middlesbrough in my mind and and I, and I was worried about the game and I thought it was going to be tough. But it's almost like you just can't you can't be too pessimistic for these clowns, man. You just can't do it. You just because this is just what happens. I do you know what? I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it later because we're going to we're just we're going to have to we have to talk about managers. That's just the unfortunate reality of our situation. But I actually. I can, at least with Pochettino, I do feel like there was a good reason for screwing up the FA Cup when we did like every year. I think you can find a reason for why things went down the way they did. I mean, there were years when we were chasing the league, right? The two of those years. And then there was a season where we were having our mad Champions League final run. And then in between those years is the really, really, really bleak Manchester United semi-final loss, which I think was probably the last time I was this upset about the FA Cup. So I think we've been sort of, we've been... There's been reasons and we've been unlucky and some of it is just madness. Like having, we've, we've like lost eight semifinals in a row or something, but at this point now, something has, I don't, I don't even, I can't even like isolate the management or anything. It's just, it's everything. There's just like such a disregard for proper competitions and a disregard for us as fans I I genuinely like I've got to sort of a weird like crazy point where I want a proper apology <laughs> like which I know I'll never get I feel like we deserve one obviously Wolves was infuriating too 
But I feel like generally on here, we've been, you know, pretty kind, kind to Conte. We've been pretty pro-Conte if you sort of take the social media fan base anyway. Um, but Sheffield United was the point at which he lost me, I'm afraid. Um, I think even then, that's before Wolves to kind of compound the misery. Like, they haven't, he just doesn't make game changing substitutions, does he? And, you know, we'll say, you know, he wasn't there in the stadium, but he's certainly in, in contact with the bench. Kane should have started, but at the very least, like, met, you know, what's the way, read the way the wind is blowing at half time and get get him on at half time or 50 minutes in, you know, just you, you've got to get it. And yeah, Conte clearly didn't understand what it meant meant to the fans. Um, and the Wolves game, if we're talking about subs as well, the Wolves game was a disgrace, wasn't it? Because the first substitution was Richarlison on 78 minutes. And again, we're all watching it or following it going, we know precisely what's going to happen here. They're going to nick a late goal and we're going to be furious. That's 78 minutes to bring on Richarlison. And the final point on the substitutions is justice for Dan Juma, because what was the point in bringing him in? He scores on his debut and we've just wasted him since. And we're playing Lucas, who we know is leaving in the summer. So, and we know his limitations as well. It's terrible. It's, it's terrible. Let's be honest about Lucas. Like he's he's had one unbelievable moment of glory, and that is great, and we will be thankful for that forever. But he is just—he's not a very good footballer. That's just the reality. And it's not just Conte misreading the game or the management team like misreading the game. I think I feel like they've misread everything. They've not understood. They've looked. They haven't looked outside of this sort of weird closed circle of the club going oh top four's priority or whatever they haven't looked they haven't kind of lifted their heads out and looked at the football landscape to kind of to see the FA Cup and you can say you know I've had conversations with people this week who are saying the team that they put out should have been good enough to beat Sheffield United who'd also made made eight changes sure like if you're going to look at these things logically but you have to understand the club that you are managing and for once like you play the occasion and not the team quite frankly and they just didn't. They acted like it was nothing. And I think it can all... I mean, Lucas basically sums up those two games, doesn't he? Like, what was he doing? What was he doing in both of those games? It's just... I can defend so many managerial choices and I can... Or at least make up sort of theories or even just say, this manager is doing something that I don't really agree with. Or I don't... But I can imagine there is a reason for it. But this, I'm like, I don't... I, what are you doing? What are you doing, Antonio? I don't understand. Yeah, and it's just so annoying because, I mean, he literally said it in, in January that the club are not going to renew Lucas. But yeah, here he is starting, you know, to, in the in the sake of our season, um, one, hey, you could argue it's the most important game of the season in Sheffield tonight, and, you know, some people would argue that. And then again, he's sort of getting minutes. It's just like, why? Like, why, you know, why, what was, what is the point of bringing Dan Juma in? Again, it's just that kind of like, 
just speaks to like the terrible strategy that we have at the moment as a club. Like, did Conte even want Andrew Moore? Was it a Paratici signing? Are they not even working together anymore? It's just like all so mixed and it's not in unison. Um, <clears throat> and the thing that we had under Pochettino, actually, I know it's going to come up later on, is unity. As you know, we, we finally had that kind of unity and strategy, and it, it looked like everything was headed in the direction. Now we've got like a manager who doesn't want to be here. We've got you know, Paratici, who's going to be facing jail, you know, at worst, or facing some kind of ban, possibly. Um, we're kind of stagnating our players. We've got Kane under, you know, under under, under a very short time of contract. It's just there's so much ineptitude going on at Tottenham at the moment, and it's just embarrassing. And you you know that Conte is not going to be here in summer after the summer. Um, and just why are we wasting our time then? What is going on? Because at the moment it's damaging us because. If we have taken the opportunity, and you know, as exactly as Tom said earlier, we have really backed Conte on this podcast. Um, and we've always been pro Conte, but it's not worked out this season. It really has not. And if you know, this wasn't a surprise because you got a guy who's you know had a, had a horrific year, and there are certainly reasons why it hasn't worked out. You know, reasons that we can't blame him for entirely. Um, but why did we not just say, you know, at that point when he was, you know. In, staying in Italy, why do we not just all use that to like grow up and just say, look, this is not going to work. This is a perfect excuse to to, to leave on good terms. There's a good reason for it. Let's move on. And instead, we've kind of stagnated towards this situation where he's not even here managing the team. We've lost a huge opportunity to win a trophy. Top four is slowly slipping out of our hands now because Liverpool are coming strong and we just look badly out of form. We've lost all momentum that we have not beaten two of our rivals. Um and it just speaks to the ineptitude of this football club at the moment. There's no like logical thinking going on at any level from anyone. It's it's really, really frustrating. Sorry, I realised in that rant a minute ago, I said that the first sub was Richarlison on 78 minutes, but it was Lucas, wasn't it? And in the Wolves game and Richarlison a few minutes later. But again, to have to have Brazil's number nine and to like to bring him on so late in the game with 10 minutes to go when when you're clearly struggling is um it's just a joke particularly because he was really good against chelsea as well wasn't he and has to be said that kulu hasn't been at his best recently either so he could have um been rested or t- certainly taken off in that wolves game do you know what I find just the most, almost the most frustrating thing is that I've, I feel like I've worked so hard this season. I feel like we as a podcast have worked really hard this season to try to stay positive and to back Conte because we don't enjoy the the sort of chaos that comes with always complaining about your manager and always trying to look for something else. And I also personally have fought so hard to be like, none of this would look, as bad as it does or it wouldn't feel as bad as it does if what was happening at the top of the table wasn't happening right I feel like I do I've been saying all season this is what is making people crazy but actually I don't think it I think it's our it's actually not them anymore it's us our club is making us crazy they've done it it's not it's not them it's us I think as well more than any other season Kane is has papered over the cracks, hasn't he, this season? Like, I've always, um, you know, pushed back on Pep's, the Harry Kane team thing, because especially with Son, you know, even previously with, like, Ali and Ericsson, we've, we've had goals from other areas. But 
I had to, I don't know why I did this to myself, but again, looking at our scorers this season, to have four goals from Richarlison and Kulazewski combined in all competitions, two goals each from them this season. Um, and then Son's got nine in all competitions, but that includes, I think that's th- only three in the league, isn't it, from Son? Um, no, four, sorry. The hat-trick against Leicester plus one other. But yeah, Kane with his his 20 goals has just papered over so many cracks. And, you know, so Conte's been so lucky to have Kane. And if you look around the rest of that squad, he hasn't, besides Bentoncourt, he hasn't really got any the best out of many other players, has he? Certainly not recently and certainly not our forwards. I think the thing with me, like, it's been, as a fan watching it, it's been a pretty miserable season, other than a, a few, literally a handful of games. And I, I'm kind of willing to accept that and willing to buy into it if, you know, it resulted in a trophy or if it resulted in something meaningful. And you kind of make that choice as a fan, like, it's okay, you know, we're not, you know, the football that we play isn't great, but we might win the FA Cup or, you know, we might have a go in the league or something like that. <clears throat> but neither of those things have happened. So, like, what, what, it's when the football then becomes a problem because we're not even playing well uh, and we're not getting anything out of it. So, yeah, I totally agree. It's just like I've, I've lost kind of all all sort of support for Conte, to be honest, because, as you said, the football is terrible. The substitutions are terrible. Like There's something that's gone lost on the players. Like they don't, the players don't seem up for it at all at the moment. Um, yeah, and it's just the end of the rows. And my worry is that we're not being decisive enough now when we we could still make a real go at this, this season um you know and now that you know we're, we're still fourth in the league and um you know we're still you know for, by the time this podcast goes out we're in the Champions League for some small amount of time but you know we're still technically in the Champions League and this again we're not being decisive enough like why are we wasting our time like he doesn't want to be here no one else seems to be want to be a bother as well so what is the point I mean you say he doesn't want to be here but he literally like he tried to come back didn't he? Like early. So I don't know if, I mean, I guess over, I guess like long term, I guess he doesn't want to be here because otherwise he'd have signed a new contract. But he does, I feel like Conte does want to do the job while he's here. Um, I just think he's not doing it very well anymore. And there's reason, there's loads of reasons for that. And you can be more or less sympathetic to those reasons as you kind of see fit, I suppose. But I think it's absolutely fair enough to say that he has not been he personally has not been performing at the levels that he previously was so but I don't I don't think he's like not committed to this club at least to the end of the season he's he is back now right isn't he he'll be in charge tomorrow yeah he did uh, I think he was doing he did training today and I, I think there was a, a press release a press conference today that he was in charge of as well so yeah he is looking like he's definitely gonna be back tomorrow do we want to have a quick look forward to tomorrow I mean we don't want to um, kind of get into it too much because this pod will come out on Wednesday so um, there's kind of not much point in getting too into it but does anyone feel optimistic about it at all Tom not really no not after the last two games I kind of think I joked with someone today like football's over for me once we're out of the Champions League on Wednesday and I like I kind of think at least it will be sweet release because there'll be mm. nothing else to care about uh, really for the rest of the season particularly with Liverpool um pretty close behind us in the for um fourth spot 
Um, yeah, it's going to be absolutely freezing as well, which always puts a, you know, puts a bit of a dampener on things and makes the crowd uh, a bit less noisy. But, it, you know, be good to hear hear the Champions League theme again. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't. If I see Lucas, I'm just going to have to walk out the stadium, I think. Yeah, man, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, it might happen, Tom. We literally what, might see him. It, it probably will because... Yeah, it probably will. I mean, Dan Juma was in the Champions League team of last season, and yet he did he come on very briefly in the in the first leg, I think, against um, at at the San Siro. Um, so yeah, we like he deserves a he deserves a game, give or at least some game time, given how our forwards have been playing. Um, but no, generally not feeling massively optimistic, I'll be honest. Billy, any improvement on that? Um, do you know what? I actually, it's it's the kind of thing that we would do is go and win tomorrow now. It's a, you know, some things that Tottenham just always do. One of them is that if you try and prioritise one thing over another, they end up losing both of them. That's what that always happens to us. So like last week, when we try and prioritise a league game for an FA Cup game, we lose both of them. That's the kind of, but another classic thing that Tottenham do is they pull out a result when they're, when they're sort of least expected as well. So I would not be surprised tomorrow if we turn up and absolutely smack them. Um, and that's I actually have a pretty, pretty good faith that that might happen tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I just think it's the kind of ridiculous kind of thing that we would do is just go and win tomorrow and just sort of, which will end up giving us some kind of hope that something might happen this season. But, um, I don't know. I just have that feeling it's the kind of sort of stupid thing that we would do is go and win. Um, so, yeah, I do actually have a bit of optimism for it. That's nice. I don't really agree with you, though. <laughs> I think, I don't think we'll get through, to be honest, just because I feel really, um, this is, I don't want to be too gloomy. It's a bit depressing, isn't it? But I just, I'm so disappointed. I'm so tired of being, but like disappointed, but not surprised. I'd almost, like, I, I feel like I'd rather be disappointed in a new way <laughs> rather than the same old way. So I think what I'm just going to take tomorrow night is we're all going. Um, hopefully I get to see you guys at some point. Um, and it will be nice to hear the Champions League anthem. Uh, like, because I haven't been to any of the other games this season. <laughs> so, fun. yeah, you know, I'll just it's the little things, isn't it? The little things. Do you know what as well? I've I've always loved being in the Champions League. And I have always felt that top four is a sort of trophy. And this is like the the first time ever where I've just not, where I've finally just gone, oh God, I just don't really care. But I think tomorrow night I will care again. I'll hear the music and I'll be like, oh, it's so exciting and glamorous and all of that. So I fully expect to be disappointed. Are we feeling any optimism about Forest at the weekend? Apart from the fact that it's like a nice Saturday three o'clock kickoff. Yeah, I'm 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 buzzing that it's a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday because we get so few of those. These are the things we enjoy, though, isn't it? And that's fine. Champions like, League music, three yeah. o'clock Saturday kickoffs. That's just, what it's all about. Just a normal kickoff will be great. I mean, it's so hard to follow Forest, isn't it? Let's be honest, because they've they've got even so... if you're a Forest fan, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. They <laughs> must Forest fans must just be like, who's this geezer? Um, but I mean, one one geezer that we do know is Serge Aurier. So, um, you know, we're talking, (laughs) I I wasn't, 
as much of a surge hater as God, I hated him so much. And do you know what? One thing that's been amazing about the resurgence of Emerson Royale is we can find, I feel like we have finally sort of stopped the right back rot. We've exercised the ghost. Yeah. Uh, for now. For now. For now. <laughs> um, but yeah, narrative, narrative FC, I'm sure um, Surge will have a player blinder, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see who all who all their players are apart from Serge. Yeah, how are you feeling about it, Bill? Uh, I mean, we should we should win it, shouldn't we? Really? I mean, we've been pretty decent Did at home we? in the league lately. So uh, it'll be very disappointing if we don't win that. So yeah, I think we'll beat them. Um, I think a good thing about Forest is they kind of you know they're not one of those teams that kind of throw loads of men. They kind of I watched them against Everton at the weekend. That was an amazing game of football, actually. Um, so I think Steve Cooper is a fairly progressive coach, and I, I think um, they'll come at us, and that's the kind of games that we like because we can just sort of take take teams out that do that. So yeah, I think we'll win that. Now Eric Dyer is he's suspended tomorrow, isn't he? But he'll be fine for is it, he is suspended tomorrow, right? Yeah, um, and he'll be fine for Saturday. So at least we'll have our sort of proper. First choice defence back. Do you know what though? Um, talking about Nottingham Forest and talking about Steve Cooper, it kind of leads us really nicely into the next bit of our pod, doesn't it, guys? Rolling in the tweets because we finally come to that part of our season, haven't we? Where we do. I think most people feel like this is it with Tottenham and Antonio Conte. The sort of ride that we've been on is coming to an end. Either quickly or incredibly slowly and frustratingly. So we're looking ahead now to who comes next. And actually from you two, I do want to know, do you, is your number one candidate Pochettino? Billy? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, And it's for a very complicated number of reasons. One of them is that I just feel like we have to do it just to just to sort of get it over and done with. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's always going to be some kind of question. It's always going to be a thing, and that, until we do it, we get a new manager in. Say for example, and as one of the, if we hire some of the managers that we're talking about in a minute, um, for example, a Michael Carrick or a, a Vincent Company or someone like that. As soon as they go in any kind of bad stretch of games, Pochettino's name is going to be mentioned all the time. It's it's, it's going to keep happening and happening until we do it. Uh, secondly, like. I'm just so bored of being disconnected to Tottenham. And I was so, so connected to everything that happened during that era of football that I want to feel that again. Um, and I've just kind of learned that, you know, Bonte, Mourinho, these people that sort of felt like they were doing Tottenham a favour, you never, ever got that under Pochettino. He absolutely adored our football club. And I just, I'm in the mindset now where to be that is really all that matters. And that's what I really want. I just want someone to love being a Tottenham manager again. And um, so, yeah, he's definitely my number one choice. Tom, how about you? I'm just, this doesn't just apply to football, but I'm just not a very sentimental person. So I kind of just move on from things quite quickly. So I loved Pochettino at the time. It ended very badly. We didn't win anything. So my thinking is let's try something different. It didn't quite work out the first time football was beautiful at points but we didn't win anything and it seems like a kind of backward regressive move it would also be uh, you know more heartbreaking if it didn't work out this time and you know it like it didn't last that long 
Um, so no, I think let's look for the next, let's go for the next Pochettino. I was pretty let down by, I was into the idea of Mourinho. I was into the idea of Conte for whatever reason, hiring big name, ego driven kind of winners hasn't worked at Tottenham. And it's utterly infuriating that these managers come to us and don't win anything. Um, so I think we've got to go for uh, a younger, up-and-coming manager, whatever you want to call him, a Thomas Frank or a a Carrick, I've heard mentioned, Michael Carrick, um, or yeah, Steve Cooper, I guess, has done a good job at Forest, although who, who knows? Does he know who his players are? I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not. I'm not Pochettino in. I think we should look forward to the future and try someone new. I'm really stuck in a sort of weird middle a place with it because I am a very sentimental person and I loved Pochettino so much. And one of the things I really, I loved most about him, I think, is that he, he like dreamed for us. And I'd sort of forgotten this because I do, I don't really feel like we've been sort of gaslit or negged by Jose and Conte but I can sort of see why people feel like that because we're kind of constantly being told that our team's not very good and you know the club doesn't have a history of winning things so winning something with Tottenham is just going to be the hardest thing in the world guys and you know you just have to bear with us but but Pochettino just like he just ignored all of that didn't he when he arrived and in his first season with us, we went, we got to the league cup final and then, but like, and then the next season he went, Oh my God, I'm going to try and win the league. And the season after that. And with, while none of us believed it, like I, like I remember watching those teams at the time, just thinking, I don't, what are they doing? Why are you, how do you think that you can do this with, with Tottenham? But I think he really did. Like he properly, properly believed and he wasn't, and so I forgive the sort of the FA Cup misses because he was looking for something really, really big. He was like, I don't want that. I want this. And if I fail, it doesn't matter because I've really, really tried. And he really did try. And so we tried to win the league twice and then we tried to win the Champions League. And and OK, we didn't do it, but it's like he really wanted to do it and he didn't waste any time telling us that we couldn't which I think I'd, I'd just really forgotten that feeling. And it's been quite a draining few years without that, I think, of just being told, oh, we're not really good enough. We're not, you know, all of the things that Tottenham fans already know, but actually Pochettino was a, a complete breath of fresh air because he said, no, we can do it. And I believe that we can. So I would like to have that back, actually. I would like to have just some actual ambition and I also feel that he should be given a chance to spend some money. I don't necessarily think that he should decide where the money goes because of Ndombele and GLC. And unfortunately, my guy, Davinson Sanchez. But like, what was it like a net 30 million or something in the years that he was here? And, and the 18 months we didn't buy anybody. So I feel like he does deserve it. And maybe a chance to marry, manage Harry Kane again, just very briefly, because he started it so he can finish it. That said, I also can't see it being anything other than a massive disaster. So um, I don't know whether I'm Pochettino <laughs> or not, ultimately. 
Lee, do you want to take us through what other people thought about it? Okay, so we said, um, with the content era seemingly coming to an end one way or the other, this week's rolling on the tweets, we want to know who are your left field choices for a replacement? And we said a rule, obviously, it can't be Pochettino just because, we, we, you know, we, that one comes up a lot already. So <clears throat> thank you very much. We've had loads and loads of responses. Had to do my homework on some of these people. Um, certainly some really, really left field shouts. Uh, I'm just going to go through them now. So lots of, and lots of some of the names that came up quite a lot were Michael Carrick, um, Company came up quite a lot, and Gallardo were probably the three most popular names. And I'm just going to read to you two of them now. <clears throat> so FPL Wingerman says Serena Wagman, um, Sonny says Gallardo, Thomas Frank, Company Carrick or Deserby. Uh, Diamond Lights also has another Gallardo shout. Uh, Dan Perry says Thomas Frank or Company, both progressive, young, and doing really well at their current clubs. Sam Dunn says Luis Enrique. Um, another one which comes up quite a lot too. <clears throat> Rian says, Michael Carrick is a young, excited manager, has already dealt with Levy before. Um, Paul, another shout for Vincent Company. Joel also says Vincent Company. Um, Adrian says Ruben Amorim, I think is a sporting manager, if I got that correctly. Um, George says, anyone got one day Ramos's number? I want another League Cup. Don't we all, George? Don't we all? Uh, Dave says, Michael Beal, uh, the current Rangers manager. Sam says, another shout for Gallardo, who I'm pretty sure is jobless at the moment. So um, he's finished managing in Argentina and he's currently unemployed. Um, another really, really exciting football coach. Uh, Jack says, Kike Setien, who I believe is a Villarreal manager. Uh, Noah says, Thomas Frank as well. Another shout for Carrick from Dean. Uh, Tony says, Gallardo as well. Uh, THFC 1882 says the top three choices would be Carrick, Company, and Gallardo. Um, <clears throat> one for Rosa in particular, the lowest bitter says, in five months' time, Ryan, Ryan Mason wins us the Champions League. We'll look back at this and laugh. Excellent. Yes, um, my friend. Con- yes. yes. Dream dream for me. I we want better you. for Ryan Mason than us, but I want that for sure. Actually, a few a few people did actually shout out Ryan Mason. Um, and I know it was mentioned, I think it was mentioned in the Jack. Pitbrook athletic article as well. Oh yeah, uh, the Conrad... players are like, oh, they're really impressed. Anyway, I'm going to yeah. rant about the athletic <laughs> on another occasion. <laughs> uh, Conrad Lamer fan club president says Bo Svensson. Um, he's left field, and I had to Google who that is, and I actually can't even remember who it is. Uh, um, that shows you how great my research is. Um, Bo's definitely a left field one. Um, Sam says Will Steele, who is a th- I don't know if you guys know, he's a 30 year old manager in France and he doesn't even have a pro license so every time his club play I think it's ROMs I have you say them in French um they have to pay 22,000 pounds in a fine because he doesn't have he's not licensed which I think would be a great um addition to Tottenham uh Joey says don't you want to take a leap of faith or become an old man filled with regret with a picture of Graham Potter um <clears throat> Apex Triplets says Spalletti who is the current Napoli manager who looks almost certainly like he's going to win the league there um action carbronson says i'm only slightly joking when i say give mason a 10-year contract but the real correct answer is the michael carrick redemption art um belgian potter says schmidt who is a uh, benfica manager if he isn't left fit enough then still the moment just mentioned or mason um schmidt is currently winning 5-0 in the champions league against scott parker um who unsurprisingly does not come up from anyone at the moment um max j rosenthal says urs fisher um, uh, quite a lot of shouts for Deserby as well. Um, Stavrin calls him a tactical genius. Um, THSC Nathan says Deserby is number one, and then Gallardo, Enrique, Nagelsmann, if he gets sacked. I think he's going through 
Um, a slight rough patch at Bayern, which is crazy because they probably will end up winning the league. But I think there's more of a title race this season than there normally is. There's a, I think there's a three-way title race going on. One of the managers that someone mentioned, I can't remember which one, is the Union Berlin manager as well. Um, Amro says a whole list of names here. Some of them I've not heard of. Gallardo, Deserbi, Nagelsmann, Heiss, Marco Rose, Luis Enrique, Sotil, Gasparini, Urs Fischer, Strike. Iber Tudor and Labris, definitely some homework for me now. I don't know who all of those managers are. I don't recognise some of the names. Um, Spurs Twitter legend, Dab Spurs, says company or the Dortmund boss. Um, Tuchel comes up from Depressus. Um, ironic nickname there. He probably would depress us in the end because he's another Chelsea manager. Uh, Mark Walker says, would any Spurs fan want Brendan Rodgers? I don't normally speak on behalf of all Spurs fans, but I will on this occasion say no, we don't. We do not want Red and Rodgers. Um, Captain Tripp says Tite or Luis Enrique. Goals Galore says Potter, Zidane, Postacoglu. Um, the Celtic manager, Postacoglu, is another one that comes up quite a lot. I think he's doing a great job at Celtic, and he, he is a very sort of charismatic manager. Um, Ethan, with a very left-field chat of David Martindale. Again, not a coach I was familiar with, but I think he is a working in Scotland. Maybe, I want to say Livingstone or Inverness, one of those two teams that are having a good season in Scotland. Uh, Berko says Mancini. Another shout for Ruben Amarim. Um, he's magic, you know, Marcelo Gallardo. Uh, you know, we can't go wrong with an Argentinian manager, can we? Um, and Chris, friend of the show, Chris, mentioned Emma Hayes. Spurs fan, Emma Hayes, no less. Um, so that's certainly an interesting shout. Um, so, you know, someone even going for Harry Redknapp, you know, again, he doesn't have another job at the moment. Um, Coy's master says, if we're bringing back an old manager for the vibes, why not go all in with a picture of Martin Yol? Uh, definitely one that I can speak for. Love Martin Yol. Um, Ollie says the special one, second to none, Tim Shearwood. Um, friend of the show, Tottenham Simpsons says, someone just became available, Slavin Bilic. Um, you know, the, the weekly what for manager sacking there. Yeah, so Chris said Emma Hayes. And then I think she said something else as well. Yeah, she said, if we can't get her, Thomas Frank. Um, Cody Mack, definitely my strongest choice, says Emerson Royal player manager. Uh, Dean says Michael Carrick. Tim says Gallardo. Another shout for Anne Postagoglu. And Caroline says, out of, now I might butcher this name, but he's a very handsome, attractive man, whoever he is. I think he's the manager of Salzburg. Um, Matthias Geisel, uh, who's German. Um, I think he's the manager of Salzburg or one of the German Red Bull teams, um, a left field choice. And he looks a little bit like Ryan Mason. So I'm in on that count. Um, and friend of the show, Rich, says Martignol. So an infinite pool of managers, some very, very exciting names. And I don't know what, about you guys, but I, I just kind of get that like sickness in me when something like this happens, where I start getting excited about the possibilities. Like I'm such a like pathetic football fan that, you know, transfers and managers and all that kind of, that's what I live for. Um, I'm, you know, I, you know that I'm such a sucker for a transfer room. I'm always going on in the group chat, but we might sign Madison this and all that kind of stuff. But like, there's something inside me at the moment which is like, I kind of enjoy the chaos of this, like the new beginning. Um, so, my personal left field choice would be Michael Carrick. Um, what about you guys? What are your sort of left field maybe gamble choices that we want? Not that we ever would do these kind of things because we are very, you know, Daniel Levy. He'll he'll probably just hire two child and then that'll be it. You know, he, he likes to play it safe with managers, Mourinho, Conte. Um, I don't think we'll go for this kind of exciting young manager that a lot of people mentioned there. Um, but what about you guys? Do any of those names stand out? I'm like, do you know what? I'm just, I'm amazed with like all of those names. And we ended up hiring Nuno at the beginning of last season. It just makes, it's just what another one of there? those. How did that, 
How did that even happen? What I know that? it's just it's, it's just another like one of those things where you think, do they? They don't know what they're doing, do they? In that club, they just they don't. don't. They don't. And you know, the sad thing is, is that one of the, the Manchester clubs are going to probably hire company and Parrick, yeah. you know, a few years down the line, and then they're going to have like some ten-year rivalry of interchanging of the title. So. I'd love to be the club that just gambles. We did it with Pochettino and it paid off. I'd love to just gamble on someone and just have our next Pochettino. If we're going to go, if we're not going to go down the Pochettino route, um, I'd love to do that, but I just can't see us doing it. We just don't do it enough. We always just hire someone who Chelsea are fired. Yeah. I mean, we can't, we can't have another ex Chelsea manager, not even like, I don't even care about it that much, but I just think like whatever we do, it has to, unify most of the fan base and I think everybody's just gone like enough now even if it was somebody like Angelotti I think people just go no we can't we just can't do it I'm quite surprised at all the love for Luis Enrique to be honest because I like him very much but he hasn't like he won obviously quite a lot of stuff at Barcelona but like that was back in 2016 it's quite a long time ago now and then it's been quite up and down with Spain I know he's obviously had sort of a lot of personal tragedy, but I, I'm quite surprised to see him being mentioned quite so much. I like the, I really like the look of Vincent Company. I think he's just, I mean, he's obviously being kind of, he's preparing to take over City, isn't he? I guess, but it would be, I, I agree with you that it'd be very cool to sort of step in and actually pick someone. Why is the Argentinian dude currently out of a job? I'm suspicious about that. So I think he basically, he won everything in in Argentina. Oh, okay. he, he won like multiple titles and their equivalent of the Champions League. And I think it was like, I've done everything now. Um, I think he's like a, an absolute legend in Argentina and he mm-hmm. wants something different. I think I think Leeds tried to hire him or someone like that and someone in France tried to hire him and he turned them both down. I just... Uh, I don't know. I, I can't ever see a world where we do do that kind of thing. No, like, I can't. It's kind of like Leeds when they hire Bielsa like that. It's just, it's not something. Nobody mentioned Bielsa, I see. That's yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just not something we would ever do, I don't think. I was just going to say props to um, everyone on those tweets because they have incredible knowledge of managers, which I certainly don't have. But I did. Um, I was like, one... some of those are made up for yeah, sure. Surely, surely people <laughs> are just making those up. Those are names and even clubs I've never heard of. Um, but uh, <laughs> I like the idea of Emerson Royale player manager, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And then Deserby was well, one of the kind of upstarts who I didn't mention. I'd worry that he hasn't been at Brighton very long, so he may not want to move. But if we can take Deserby and potentially everyone else who works at Brighton yes. at the same time, every scout... Uh, directors of football. Is it their uh, like? Doctors, is it their sort of chief ladies. exec? Is a Spurs fan? Take them all. Yeah, I yeah. Think yeah. He certainly is. Yes, yeah, he definitely. But I know, is. like a while back, Newcastle took uh, someone from Brighton, didn't they? And uh, I think various clubs have poached people. But at I this think point, Chelsea tried to take a few people with Potter as well, and they said no. But they took some, and not all of them. I don't think they took the main. The main, whoever the, the brains behind the operation is still there because it is an insanely successful operation, whoever it is. Yeah, it clearly wasn't Potter. So I think take take all of them, the, the doctors, the um, canteen the staff. The doctors, yes. Everyone. Specifically the medical staff. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, I've got a question for you guys, um, actually. 
before you move on to that, can I just say solidarity with Christian Romero for uh, publicly humiliating our doctors? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved how he tried to he tried to apologise or like claim that he hadn't said what he said, and you were like, "Don't worry about it. We hate them too." Yeah, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. It's not not something which is going to annoy Tottenham fans, put it that way. Yeah. Um, I, my question for you guys is the director of football situation. Number one. Should we have one? Do we need one? Particularly if Poch comes back. Number two, should should it be should it still be Paratici? I mean, I have to tell you, I don't really care about a little like Italian corruption. So as long as he's not in jail, not actually in jail, I think it's fine for him to stay. Um, I, I, in answer to your first question, I, I think it's it's absolutely essential that we have a, a director of football. Um, I agree. Yeah. Firstly, because a lot of the reason why we failed under Pochettino is because we didn't have one, and it was kind of like we had that Daniel Levy getting involved in transfers and choosing players. We had Steve Hitchin doing it. We had Paul Mitchell at the very beginning, who then kind of quit in this big thing, um, and Pochettino choosing players. And when you've got that many sort of ideas going into the hat, it just it doesn't work. And um, I think. Largely, Paratici has been certainly starting to move in the right direction. I think a lot of, I think the problem is at the moment, like we're so clouded in misery as a club at the moment, um, that a lot of the players that we've signed aren't thriving as much as I think they would be if you put Gavin Spostino or something like that. I think if you had a manager, an exciting manager who sort of releases the shackles on players, and you know everything that we like about Conte and everything that we we said about him, he is not a, a freedom manager for football. He has a very specific way of you have to do this, this, and this. You have to stand here, pass to him, and do this. But someone like you know Pochettino or Gallardo or something like that, these players like Basuma and Richarlison, I think they're really, really going to thrive. I think we've made some great signings under Paratici, Um, and I think he, you know he is uh, for all you know everything that he has obviously happened in Italy. He's is extremely well connected guy. Like he has ins with clubs all over the place, and um, I just I, I wouldn't be against him staying because I'm, I'm happy with a lot of the players that he's bought, like Romero, Kudelski, Bentancur, Basuma. Um, Poro, I think, is, is will eventually turn out to be a good player. Um, <clears throat> and Saar is a really exciting player as well. You know, he's definitely got an eye for a player. So, I personally, I actually think that Pochettino and Paratici could be a really dangerous mix in in a good way because he likes buying these young players, which Conte just never really played. And you know, Pochettino would probably give them more of a chance. Um, so, yeah, personally, I think it's essential that we have a director of football, and I'd be happy for it to be Paratici. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think um, a big part of the reason I agree is that I think we need to we need to figure out with our club what works and what doesn't work. And I think if something is clearly working, like having our current director of football, then don't get rid of it. And even, and if that and if that is a deal breaker for Pochettino, then sorry, too bad because this is obviously working well. And it's not and and I think when you went through all of those list of players, I think Paratici's done a really good job. And it's also clear that he's not it's not just been players based in Italy. That there's and actually that, a lot there. And I think the problem is that it, it ha, you know we kind of have this perception that Paratici and uh, Conte are sort of you know come hand in hand because they both mm. work together in Juventus. They're actually not. They're not really they don't really seem to work that well together because a lot of the players that Brasci has bought, Conte doesn't even play. And, um, you know, he's publicly stated that he doesn't want to buy these young players. He's he's publicly said in interviews that he wants, you know, your Casemiro type players. He, he said that in, himself. So 
it's it's not ma- it's not a marriage that's particularly working too well. A lot of the players that he signed, you know, he doesn't put in the team anyway. Like Richarlison, you know, barely got any minutes. Um, and so it's a, it's it's a weird mix at the moment. I think um, whoever that the key is what you just said there, Rose, is that whatever it is, we need to decide what we are doing and have a manager and a director of football that are both singing from the same page. What do you reckon, Tom? Pro con? Not really bothered. No, I think the same thing uh, as Billy said, and as you both said, the grown-up thing is to have a director of football. So, uh, mm. you know, we should definitely have one. I think Paratici has mostly done the right things in terms of in terms of transfers. We've got Destiny to come back, and oh, yeah, rather to come in, um, and we've got Spence to come back. Oh, there's some other players coming back that I don't even want to mention <laughs> uh, in the summer. But, yeah, and then there are players that we're not making the most of, like Saar, um, even like Richarlison. Uh, so that all seems good to me. And, yeah, in terms of Paratici and corruption, Chelsea were literally owned by Vladimir Putin's guy. Like, they were owned by the Russian state, essentially by a war criminal, and they got away with it. What Man City are getting away with is ridiculous. Any minute... United will be owned um, by like by an oil state as well. So uh, Newcastle, all of Newcastle. that, even though they're supposed to be looking again at it, since it's clear that they are not a separate entity from the Saudi government, and it's literally just been stated in an American court of law. So, but anyway, that's not nothing's going to happen, is it? Newcastle's away strip is literally the Saudi Arabian flag. So, <laughs> like in terms of corruption. Paratici, it's a drop in the fucking ocean. A little bit of cooking the books. Come on, man. Whatever, a bit of tax fraud, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just silly, isn't it? So um, if it's just provided he stays out of actual prison, I feel like it's fine. Um, Yeah, I think just just the kind of last thing on, on Conte, actually, because... It's it's kind of interesting going through all of those players that he doesn't want to play. And I think it's just been such a weird time for him psychologically. And, you know, you can agree or not agree, but he's he's always been quite a risk-averse manager, hasn't he? But it seems like he's just gone full, like, I don't, I don't trust anybody outside of, like, 11 players. And I don't want to play any other way. And it's almost like any, any other way kind of gives him a sort of, like he he just kind of has a panic attack about it. Like he do, he can't do it. He's I obviously sort of stuck in a... the, the subs that we spoke about earlier speaks to that as well. He literally mm. just has eleven players, and he doesn't want to change it. And it might be because he doesn't trust anyone else. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not working well. It's it's just not working well because you know we've seen some we've seen these players come on and, and play well, and then they just sort of don't like when Brian Hill came on against was it Palace or something at the beginning of you know, yeah. this kind of year he had a really good game and Saar again Saar was again he barely touched the pitch again when he had a, a great game against AC Milan and we haven't really seen him since um, so yeah it's just it's frustrating yeah um, the squad management's been very poor and also it's just it's I get poor. very frustrated with stories coming out in the media about kind of the players being unhappy with Conte's training and all of that but I do the one thing I do have sympathy with is if you is if you feel like you're not going to be given a chance that doesn't really like it's it doesn't sort of engender a good vibe in the squad does you it really? what, like that and, and I think about this like Dan Juma like 
we've really done him badly. Like, we really, really have. Because, you know, he's a footballer. He, he was on the verge, literally on the verge of joining for Everton. And we've obviously called him up and given him the, the eyes as a big club. Um, we've taken him away from there. Uh, we've basically wasted, like, half his, you know, half a season of his career. And yeah. it's just, it's not right. It's not right. Like he, And that would be fine if, you know, we're scoring goals week in, week out and Fantastic yeah, and he had country. to fight to get in and he or had whatever. To fight, but, but it's not. Lucas Moore yeah. has come back from an injury um, and gone straight in ahead of him. It's just, yeah, I just, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think it's bad vibes. And um, it's not fair what we're doing to a human being there. It's not, I, I don't really like the way that we've done that at all. Yeah. Just, just like, not great vibes all around, really, is it? But at least going through that list of players makes me think that, Good things, good things can happen again. We just, we do, we, we either, you know, either Conte needs to kind of wake up and say, actually, I can do this and this is like a good job and we'll have a good time. That's not going to happen. So let somebody else come in and enjoy it. Like you said, Bill, I don't really imagine it's going to be any one of those like crazy options that no. I, I, kind of, have sent in. You, but. You'd have to say it's probably going to be even Pochettino or two channels, isn't it? Like, I, I can't really see it being anyone else other than those two because um, they're both big names and, you know, they both play broadly uh, exciting football um obviously Pochettino more than Tuchel uh, you know he's going to play it safe with one of those two um I just I don't know I actually don't know which because there's a lot of uh, sort of reports coming out that there's some in the Tottenham hierarchy that don't want Pochettino to go back and you know that as as Tom said at the very beginning like this kind of romantic thing when a very rarely works out in football and b certainly doesn't work out well for Tottenham Hotspur like it's just it's a lot to that could go wrong with Pochettino isn't it we are absolutely that arrested development meme of does it work for other people? No, it might work for us. <laughs> okay, well, um looking forward in hope, I guess. Um, I am gonna give you guys a little update on what went down with Spurs women at the weekend, which started brilliantly. Um Celine Bizet got her first goal for the club, which was great. It was an extremely well-taken hit and fully deserved. They obviously um, came out as quite hard in the sort of opening minutes and we couldn't really get out of our half, but then we had a few attacks and I was sort of sitting there with my head in my hands thinking, why do we have, because Beth England didn't, was again, not playing and, I don't really know if this is going to be another one of those. She had like a weird mystery illness and now she's just never con- going to come back. I hope not, but it's Tottenham. So really. Doctors. It's could... the doctors again. And the thing is. Across everything. Yeah. It just, we're just cursed. Um, so I thought, oh God, if we had her, we could absolutely be scoring. And then um, Bizet popped up from out of nowhere and scored a goal. So we went one nil up and it was thrilling. And then literally just before half time, Barney Shaw equalised and then straight after halftime, we conceded a penalty, which she converted. And then a little while later, um, she got a hat-trick. So it was 3-1 on the day. Um, I I didn't see, a, uh, goal aside, I didn't see a huge amount to be excited by. It's one of those things where I don't know if it's because I haven't been watching Spurs Women long enough or the women's game. And I can't really tell if it's just that they, Man City are so much better and the kind of quality in our squad isn't, enough but we were really sloppy at times we had like two free kicks in quick succession where we literally just gave the ball straight back to them and we did it again from a throw in a few minutes later so there was a lot of that kind of frustrating thing happening um so 
but I know, but I know that other people were a bit more positive about the performance than I was. But and I suppose I was also quite downbeat after everything that happened with the men in the week. So maybe I was kind of hoping for some magic, and then when it didn't come, I was really sad and gloomy. But Ash Neville did it like she was captain for the day, which was great. And she gave a she liked this post on social media earlier, which really got me. She was just like, stick with us. A win is coming. So I was like, oh, do you know what? I'd like I'm just going to believe that we've got um, we've got to go to Liverpool this weekend and they're very chaotic. So they beat some teams really easily and then they have sort of massive collapses. So. I do feel like that's a game where anything could happen, but it's hard to know because, again, we've had some really bad luck getting Beth England in and then she's injured and Evelina was suspended, but I think she'll be back after that sort of farce of a suspension. I think she's actually back this weekend. So if we can get everybody back, then we could potentially get a result out of it. I mean, again, the Man City game was, I don't think anyone was expecting anything and it was a free hit. So it's I probably shouldn't be too downbeat it's just been like really i just want something to look forward to guys i mean that's all it just sounds like women's team need a win so badly they really need a win in so long right yeah it's been it's been ages it's and i think it's just like if we just at, at this point we've just got to a bit of the season where if we can get through it without being relegated then we just have to reset everything again in the summer, um, which just feels sort of bleakly familiar. Um, and again, it kind of doesn't help my mood with the club because I think I want them to give the women loads more money, loads more investment in all of the kind of infrastructure as well. So I don't know. I don't know, guys. I just, I just look and I think um, our last league win was against Liverpool. So there you go. So that's and not bad. We, yeah, not, is that, well, is that yeah. I think it was like a one nil though. In October, yeah. We yeah. won a few cup won a few cup games in the meantime, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that was the sort of I mean it's this the timing of it was, was terrible because I think just before Christmas we were in a terrible state and we lost three games that we should have won. And then we like had some really good addition made some really good additions in January, but then we had to play Chelsea and Arsenal. And City, so which you just are not likely to get a win out of anyway. Also, so hopefully, table, I love that um, we haven't drawn any games. We're the only team where us and Leicester have not drawn any games. <laughs> so that seems like, like very, very Tottenham. Oh, you just don't want to get stuck in a sort of ugh, they're so Tottenham kind of funk yeah. about it, do you? I'm really, yeah. really resisting it, but I feel like it's coming for us anyway. I kind of like what. that, though. I kind of like that we yeah. can win or lose. I you know, who, That's who true. To dare is to do. To dare yeah, is to exactly. do. What exactly. was it? Was it Potch's last season where we didn't draw until like the end? Yeah, it was that weird season, wasn't it? We didn't mm. draw any games. Yeah, I remember that. It, was, yeah. it took months and months for us to actually draw. I think it was our very last game at Wembley, in fact, that we drew against... Uh, the team awesome, that can't right? be named. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> God. Um, okay, shall we wrap up the football portion of this pod and move on to culture? Billy, do you want to kick us off this week? Like, I guess you've watched all of the Oscar movies now, so what are you doing? I have, and I've moved on to films that are not ever going to be nominated for an Oscar, but they're good anyway. I watched Cocaine Bear on Friday. And, Shit, um, how was it? 
It was amazing. It was exactly what you would imagine it to be and you want it to be and you would like it to be. Um, so I went on Friday, which is a week after it came out, and the cinema was absolutely rammed. It was full. It was amazing. The first time, it was the first time I've been in a, like a full cinema for years. Like Even when I went to see Ant-Man, um, it was like half empty. Uh, it was a much smaller screen, obviously, but I haven't been in a full cinema for a very long time, and that's amazing. It's, it's it's an absolute ridiculous film in every sense of the word, but it's really enjoyable. If you want to w- watch a film over the weekend, put that on, have a few drinks, and just enjoy it because it's ridiculous. Um, but it's very, very entertaining. And, and it's also, 95 Bill, minutes long. Bill, it's, it's exactly, I was going to say the same. It's 90 yeah. minutes, right? Yes, it's 90 minutes. And I'm just about, this weekend, I'm going to watch... Um, Babylon. So I just I have not brought myself to do it because it's three hours and twelve minutes. Oh, I'm God. Do it, it looks I'm finally, bad. I'm finally going to do it this week, but it's just like, please stop making long films. Like, yeah. I think half about half of the best picture films are all like three hours or thereabouts. It's just not good. It's not good for anyone. And um, I don't know about you, Rosa, but I, I just thought the Last of Us episode was amazing, absolutely amazing. And uh, Bella Ramsey is going to be an absolute superstar and deserves all of the awards for that. Um, this season and um, I think I kind of feel like they've been not I wouldn't say a lull because I've enjoyed every episode so far but in terms of dramatic you know excitement there was a, certainly a, a, a sort of um, a, you know there weren't the, the many storylines that were like really kicking off of the last few episodes we had a, a lot of character development and then this one just went absolutely crazy for action and it was amazing I like, absolutely loved it and um, I'm really, really sad that there's only one more episode left. So I thought The Last of Us was fantastic this week. And um, it just continues to be a, a brilliant show. And just, a, you know, I, I did, like I said before on this podcast, I have never played the games, but I just think that everyone who has played the games to be absolutely buzzing with it. Um, and Pedro Pascal is fantastic. And he's also back in The Mandalorian as well. Um, so yeah, Last of Us, I loved uh, Mandalorian, I'll probably talk about more in, in the future because I think... Yeah, because the first uh, the episode season, was a bit of yeah, a... Yeah, it needs to kick on a bit. Long, place setter, um, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah definitely. But um, it's good to have him back, but I, I don't think it's really kicked off this season yet. Yeah. I The last two episodes of The Last of Us have been really sort of interesting. I don't know. They're not really companion pieces, are they? But they're just kind of exam- both examples of what the show does really well. It's sort of either end of the spectrum, right? The kind of heartbreaking yeah. sort of character piece with Bella Ramsey and is it Storm Reed? Yes, she's also so in Euphoria. Brilliant. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. Um, Zendaya's sister in Euphoria. Yeah, she was so, so, so oh, lovely and heartbreaking. She's, yeah. so she's great in this episode. So she kind of, I imagine she brings a lot of this. And what they do, like they, the, new, the new community, they're like, set up characters in like two minutes you're like bam i know all of these yeah. characters and they just do it that's masterful isn't it so yeah, yeah loving that show and then last night's episode well no I, yeah it wasn't last night but well, i watched it last night um it was that was basically like a horror movie like yeah. a proper sort of slasher me of, uh, film. Walking yeah. for reasons i won't go into because it'll be a spoiler but yes. yeah yeah good. that's exactly what ollie said and i never watched that show so i don't know but yeah definitely had me kind of watching sort of like just behind my sofa pretty much highly highly stressful um yeah I would I definitely would like to see Cocaine Bear because I also love Elizabeth Banks I've got just a lot love of Elizabeth love for her I yeah. Think, yeah she's probably my dream woman like she's so cool yeah. my kind of mine too you know yeah she's so cool She's just very cool in the way she's just kind of gone about her business, moving into directing and saying, this is where I, this is where I yeah. deserve to be. And I've like read a thing recently where she was talking about how the Charlie's Angels reboot wasn't a success. And she basically kind of took the fall for that in the way that most female directors do and most male directors 
don't have to when their films are not as successful but she just kind of went no I I get to make these movies still and Cocaine Bear is a movie that you would expect to be directed by a man but she went no that's mine I'm taking it yeah so, no, I love that a, for her it's been a big hit financially as well so mm. that's good it could so yeah, stop punishing female directors and let them do other movies. Basically, she was great in Hunger Games as well. Uh, she was revealing myself as a secret Hunger Games fan. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Hunger Games until it got to like sort of halfway through the very last film, and yeah, then the last one was bad. Weird yeah. stuff happened that I didn't approve. There's going to be more of them, right? Oh, are there? Wow, I think so. Yeah, they're doing prequels, sequels. I don't know. I'll, I'll rewatch and we'll we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> Just any any reason to just rewatch those movies, sure. Tom, what are you up to? Uh, I like any self respecting Carhartt dad. I've been listening to the Della Soul catalog, which has just mm-hmm. come streaming. That's been good. Slow tie album's very good. He it's more of a kind of punk. Sounds like Ian Jury, Joe Strummery. Uh, yeah, that's great. Ugly, it's called. And then yeah, Fleischman is in trouble. I finished it. What was it? Eight eight parts. Eight hour-ish episodes 45 mm-hmm. minutes episodes um i think we discussed it last week we'd already read the book a few years ago um but yeah i liked it a lot i thought it was very good the tv adaptation that's on disney plus uh just very smart on privilege and being middle-aged in the city which i would know nothing about obviously <laughs> Same, uh, same. Just couldn't <laughs> recognise myself in the characters. No, no, there was no. no. It didn't. It didn't like hit me where it hurts at all. Mm-mm. No, but uh, yeah. In all seriousness, the uh, all of these middle-aged characters I identified with in some way. Claire Danes was excellent. Um, I thought as as Rachel. Um, Spectacular, yeah. Just yeah, just so so good and. Libby uh, Kaplan, wait, Libby or Lizzie? Lizzie, uh, Lizzie Kaplan played Lizzie Libby. Kaplan. She played Libby. It's quite confusing, like that. What with um, Adam Brody playing another Seth as well, but yeah, cast were excellent. It's almost what, like they did it on purpose. Yeah, writing <laughs> was very good, and um, the direction was great. Yeah, I can't recommend it enough, really. Yeah, I agree. And I actually, as stressful as the most recent episode of The Last of Us was, I actually found the penultimate episode of Fleischman is in trouble more so. I properly watched that with like just kind of hiding behind, like just having sort of a cushion that that I kind of gradually sort of hid more and more behind because it was so, so, so stressful. Um, But a proper, I don't know, I guess like a tour de force from Claire Danes. I sort of feel like she does, she can do that all the time, so it doesn't really matter. She is just the actress. And that's 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 why you get her, right? She wasn't in it very much. And then all of a sudden there's an episode centered on her, and you know that whatever you ask of her, she can do and more. I read quite an interesting review of it in Vulture, I think it was, that said actually watching it kind of made some sort of made more sense than reading it or kind of made it hit harder than actually reading it which I think is probably true actually I think without sort of getting all spoilery about it um like obviously obviously things happen to her and I think if you're reading about them maybe they don't quite go in the same way whereas if you're watching someone like Claire Danes live it in front of you it really is quite it's more visceral I guess yeah and some of the scenarios were very recognizable I thought Mm. They're like I haven't. I don't know if I've been to a full wellness retreat like that she goes to. I've been to one. If of the, only 
donkeys <laughs> like spa days or whatever for like 12 hours and even that is weird enough so yeah some of those scenarios are very recognizable even the city living and everything and seeing it visualized was yeah quite kind of hit somewhere basically but it um yeah, yeah it was very yeah very very good yeah that's kind of all i'd re I, I like i've done sort of other things but i think i'll probably talk about them next week because you know if we've got more misery to deal with then we'll probably just want to spend more time on culture i think just weirdly what i was thinking about as we were sort of going through this pod and discussing things there's sort of one of the things that comes up really strongly at the end of Fleischmann is that idea of potential right and being excited about your life having potential and that's been one of the sort of hardest things that old you get and the choices you make close off other choices and then listening to everyone kind of go through all of these like exciting managers we might get or like and thinking about all the players you might assign it's like that's all you want from football isn't it you just want to think about potential things that could happen you don't want yeah, to have I mean. you don't want to have a depressing manager yeah that's me you yeah, want someone just happen. to say these are things that can happen and just yeah. to, just to dream problem is i remember thinking that even with nuno i remember being fairly <laughs> optimistic you did it because you had to because he so gave my... that sweet that sweet little interview that basically copied potch <laughs> so we won that game against Man City and I was so buzzing after that game that I had to change my laptop password and I changed my laptop password to Nuno Santos. Oh, I have absolutely. felt the shame of that ever since. <laughs> have you changed Every time it I back? type it in, I have now changed You're just it. just like, yeah. no, because I, I, I need to remember this. Yeah. I need my to password usually this, is yeah. like, Led I always just go for Ledley. That's a classic password of mine, but yeah, I went for <laughs> Nuno and I've regretted it ever since. And every time I type my password in, I feel shame. Went for Nuno and regretted it ever since. But yeah, things that could could happen <laughs> in football are much better than things that are actually happening. So that's what it's this all about. Is it. And to be honest, that's and that is very much what it is to be a Tottenham fan, isn't it, guys? It's not. It's not what does happen. It's just what could be. But I they can like never take a... things that could happen away from us. So we'll always have things that could happen. Bill, I love that so much. <laughs> that's absolutely perfect. I don't feel like we could end on a better note. So, thanks, guys. That was as much of a joy as we could possibly make it, I think. I've really, really appreciated it. Um, Bill, would you see us home? Up the Spurs.